author Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How are you, friend? Thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. This time around, I have one of my absolute favorite interviews. I get asked a lot about favorite interview subjects. Who was the most interesting? Who was the most fascinating? And I always come back to this man, Captain Tony Terracino, a true legend. This was recorded in Old Town Key West, Florida, when he was 88 years old. Captain Tony told us to make every heartbeat count. And as this interview is going to show, he's a man who did just that. I'll never forget the day that we did this interview. It was conducted in his lawyer's office, Al. Al Kelly is his name. And to tell you a little bit about Captain Tony Terracino, he did a lot of things with his life. He was a boat captain. He was the former mayor of Key West. He fathered many, many children. He was a natural storyteller. That's probably what he was first and foremost. He also is the subject of Jimmy Buffett's song, Last Mango in Paris, which Jimmy Buffett wrote in tribute to him. Sometimes it's easy to take life too seriously. Captain Tony is someone who looked at life from a perspective that you could only call his own. I hope you listen to this interview carefully. I think you're going to really enjoy. Let me know what you think. We're here in Old Key West, talking with Captain Tony Terracino, a man who has become synonymous with the town. And I think all stories should start at the beginning. So tell us about the man and where you came from. Well, uh, Paul, you surprised me. I, when you gave me, talked about the background of this man, I, I said, that can't be me. <laughs> you know, I do have a little ego, you know, but, uh, well, there is a beginning. I was born in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Uh, in fact, August the 10th, 1916. That makes me 88 years old. And that was the year that they come out with the Model T. Believe it or not, my eyes are going, you know, the headlights are going, and, and I have a hearing aid, the horn's going, it's a Model T, you know, and I shuffle, the tires are worn out, but I just want everybody to know that the clutch is still working. Anyway, it's a long story, I was always a gambler, and, uh, you know, I'm a lot of years, 88's a lot, a lot of years, and... Uh, I guess I did everything. I was born, it was like a ghetto. I grew up with the boys, you know, Frank Sinatra and Al Capone were my heroes. It was a time. And uh, I like that I was a gambler. And as the years go on, I found out a way. What horse won the race before the bookies did? Could you imagine what that means? Going on a bookie joint and betting on a horse, you know, it's already won. And we got away with it for a while. But the boys caught up to me, you know, and they, they break your thumbs and all that. So I had to leave Elizabeth for health reasons. So I left for Florida. I remember seeing my first orange, my God, coconuts. And I had a beautiful girl in the car. And, of course, I went to Hialeah Racetrack. Imagine going to Hialeah in them days would almost be like a Jewish person going to Israel. And it was just beautiful. Of course, I lost my fanny as usual. And I gave the girl a car. I gave her a hundred bucks. 
I had $12 left, and I told her to head back home. I couldn't go back home. If I went back home, I was a dead man, believe me. And I saw this sign, CQ West. And I went in the bus terminal. I missed the last bus. And the guy felt sorry for me. I think the fare was $12 or $7. He said, look, you can take a bus to Homestead. It's only 30 cents. And you'll get a lift there. The Navy's down there. And what's the key was like? It's like the Barbary Coast. Wide open. Gambling. Boy, that's for me. And I get to Homestead. And I got a lift on a Land of Sun milk truck. And... Uh, he said, I'll drive you into town. So I never seen a light until I saw Boca Chica. There was nothing on the keys. Millions of land crabs. All you could hear is the, the tires crunk, 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 crunch. And finally we hit Key West. I couldn't believe it. We drove down to Wall Street. Bars all over. It was a big military town. It looked like, it looked like cold cream. All the guys in the whites. Walking down the wall like a wave, you know. And, uh, it was, I could see the slot machines, crap tables. There were a lot of, uh, <laughs> women of ill repute on the corners, you know. And I said, boy, this is for me. And that was it. So I had $12 and I slept in an old beat up car with a beer houses today. And, uh, well, it's a lot of in-between stories here. And, uh, I became, I started heading shrimp. Then I became a shrimper. I didn't know anything. Believe me, I was a typical New Jersey boy. And then I met a couple of old-time shrimpers that taught me how to shrimp and all that. I went to Georgia in the summer. I mean, all these things for about four or five years. And slowly and catching on and oh, was many things I tried to organize. I, 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 you gotta remember I was a hustler. I grew up selling wristwatches with no insides in it. And that was a big deal. Cockroach powder. One can of cockroach powder was a dollar. And I'd mix it with ten cans of cleanser. It killed the roaches. It took longer. You know, that was it. And then, uh, Oh, I mean, so many, and I kept moving, and I became a a, char- a charter boat captain. You got to remember all this. I'm, the only experience I had on the ocean, believe me or not, was the Staten Island ferry and Tom's River fishing for crabs, and I kept going. I became a very famous captain, very famous. I got, I broke records. Uh, there were uh, uh, national records that I broke. I mean, I just had it. I don't know what it was. God was good to me. And uh, I kept going. I was always active politically. I ran for mayor. I felt sorry for the people here. They were taking advantage of it. It wasn't really. It was the times. I don't think they even knew the United States was here. They weren't too sure anyway. But anyway, uh slowly... I start making a big time. And I never even lied, just told the truth. I exaggerated things like, uh, uh, why are you a famous captain? And I told him, oh, I hooked this mermaid, a beautiful mermaid. I brought her right to the side of the boat for a half hour, sweating in July. She had, she had that hair like a, 
You know, Clint's girl, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, and I didn't know where to get her, and she broke the line, and that was it. <clears throat> so anyway, in my own, because like I said, press, it was so good to me, and I was a good copy. I got involved in the Haiti thing, and like an invasion, and then the, the Kanda Bay of Pigs, I was involved in that. I mean, this is all history. You can read about it. And in the meantime, I used to hang around what is called Captain Tony's Bar today. Real history. It goes back to 1852. It was a morgue in a nice house. Really was. Somebody said to me, ah, you're full of bull. There was no ice in the days. But what they did years ago, the sailing boats from Maine up north, they put ice in their hull. For ballast. And then when he came to Key West, they sold it to the few people that used it for ice, and they covered it with sawdust and lasted a long time. That's how the ice got there. So, well, I used to hang around. It was called the Blind Pig, the Osceola Bar, the General Store, Sloppy Joe's. And then it became the Duval Club. I mean, I follow the history very, very strongly. When the battleship Maine was sunk, there was a the little wireless station was in Captain Tony's. We got pictures of it, the pole coming through the roof and everything, with the wire over to Western Union. And it was Captain Tony's saloon first gave the world the news of what happened in Cuba. And this is all history that, uh, but, and um, I don't know what it is, maybe it's the Italian in me or what it is, but I loved it. I, and I, 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 it was so fascinating to me. And the, the building's falling apart. And David Wilkowski, one of our great locals, one of the prominent families, had gone to Philadelphia and got involved in rebuilding the old buildings. I don't know what they call it, saving the houses and all this. And he comes back to Key West, and Captain Tony's building, 428 Green Street, was tipping over. It's falling over. This is really just the way it was. And he got together with Dan, Danny Sturp, because it was his grandfather that owned that building, and he rebuilds. Captain Tony's. That's the first rebuilding of, a, of anything in Key West. I forgot what you call it. You know, it's a name for it anyway. So, and Morgan Bird, Morgan Bird, out of Pennsylvania, a very, very wealthy man. His parents probably owned all the coal mines. Comes to Key West. He's gay. And he opens the first gay bar. It's called the oldest bar. It was beautiful. He didn't even sell beer. I mean, top of the line, old English couches and paintings and everything. I was a famous captain. My brother, Sal, was gay in New York. Very big time, big time gay. In fact, I went to New York with him and led the first gay parade in Manhattan. I mean, I'm going back. And so what happens? I fall in love with the bar. It was really great. I mean, it was all gays, the Truman Capote, all these people. I was right at home with them. 
It didn't bother me at all. And I'm a very famous captain. I'm big time now. So, and I met Shirley. Shirley, one of my wives. I have a beautiful daughter. And, uh, every time, we, and she was a Navy wife. I was a scandal of the town, man. Even though, even though one of the doctors knocked up the head, uh, woman at the church, it was okay. But Cap Tony, man, that was bad. I was a big, big scandal. And uh, every time we'd walk in a bar, they would play. It was fascination. It was really a beautiful, beautiful love affair. And Morgan Byrne goes back. He, he was one of them great people. You say you meet great. He was like a Charles Lawton Bly, Captain Bly, just like him, the jackets and everything. God, I could live there. Thank you for letting me do the show. Cause I relive all these things. I want to remember these things. And, and, and he goes to Pennsylvania, he commits suicide, just like that. So the bars close down. David comes to me, he says, Tony, why don't you open a bar? I said, man, what do I know about a bar? I miss the bar. And he said, what is it? I know it's 24 cans I put in a case, that's all. But Shirley's brother ran a big, big bar in California. She said, I got my brother to come out running. So I take over Captain Tony's for Shirley. And that's what it says. And it was just a great bar. I kept it just the way it was. Could you imagine? Could you imagine gays, shrimpers, Marines, Navy? I mean, you couldn't believe it. it was a boiling pot. And I had complete control. The old New Jersey hustler was there. Anybody started any shit? Come on, cool it, man. If he kept it, he wanted your kneecap broke. That's the way it was. But people were different then. See, they didn't go to college like that. They weren't brain damaged yet. You know, it's happening today. Uh, uh, but, but maybe I shouldn't have said that. Oh, ho, 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 ho. How are we not a bar? Look at the multi-millionaires. That was the Penny Annie. Just penny in together. I was just enjoying, uh, thinking I could beat the system. I never did, but I won't join it either. I was going to ask you about some of the people that are, are, are most prevalent in your mind when you think about Captain Tony Saloon. All the people that, that drank there and hung out there and made that like a second home. Boy, you know, uh, we have a tendency in life that if a man makes a paper and he makes TV and he does a lot of things like that, and, and this is, you know, he stands out, but in a bar, I, we go from one extreme to the other, really. I, we go from Cassius Clay to Walter Cronkite, David Allen Cole, Jerry Jeff Walker. I mean, so many, many people. Senator Dirksen. I mean, you go on and on and on. Uh, I had a big sign in my bar, and it's still there. When you walk through these doors, everybody's a star. And I applied that. I, I, women, I, I met them. I remember the first woman had the first sex operation. Uh, Elizabeth, I mean, uh, names are hard. I, I helped make some of these people. And they helped me. Chell Silverstein used to play handball with my brother in New, in New York, and he come down. See, what happens here, and this is something I never said, I'm going to say for the first time. 
when I take the bar over, it was always a great town when I talk about gays. The local gays had their own. It's just that way anywhere in the world. I think that I'm going back to the old gays. The old gays had a little more class than the gays today. Maybe TV did it. Maybe Spike for Rights and all these things did it. It was, they were sort of, uh, they were special people. And they were really special people. They're the art, they gave so much to the art, culture and everything. And, and like I said, the modern days today, things happen. All this, uh, you know what I'm trying to say, uh, <laughs> I really didn't want to get into that, but what I'm trying to say, Key West was a mixture. And we all learned to live with each other. If Harry Truman walked down the street, you would say good morning. You didn't want us to go to the graph. He never dared do things like that. He was a human, nice guy. He started shorties having coffee and, and some toast and you could be sitting next to him. And he asked, how's the fishing captain, or something like that. And that's the way Key West was. And when people like Hemingway, it's a great example. You could walk down the street barefoot and everything. They they knew he was a big rider. Some people thought he was stuck up, all that stuff. But he could do that, and that's why he finds Key West. That's why he loves Key West. And then he got Tennessee Williams the same way. They put the gays down in them days, but the, it wasn't like today. See, education is very damaging. That's why I'm against it to a point. After the eighth grade, forget it. But anyway, when you say great, there were so many great people. Oh my God, I can't remember. I remember Truman Capote. I remember James, James, James Hurley. He, uh, the Midnight Cowboy, Evan Rhodes, the Prince of Central Park, Jamie Kirkwood, my God, we used to go, he have supper together. Uh, uh, Jamie Kirkwood was the chorus line. I, I knew these people. You gotta remember, uh, the breaks. Remember the breaks? Okay. I'm hanging up fish one day at the dock. It's like, Late fifties. You hang the fish up so you get more customers the next day. Okay? You're a hustler. Me and my wife were good. I got a little book on the board and it's got cities of 125,000 or more. And if you came up and where are you from? Detroit? Just a minute. I want to get a cigarette. I'd run down looking a book, Detroit, who the, who the mayor was. You know, with the occupation, and I got back, yeah, I was in Detroit last week. That's a great mayor. He had to come on my boat. This was the hustle. This is how you survived. And getting back to, I'm hanging up the fish one day, and this guy says, hey, Tarasino. I looked up, and it was Frankie Murrow. Frankie Murrow was my brother's lover when they were in school, gay. So that's Frankie Morrow and said, Jesus Christ, he was my brother's lover when we, back in Elizabeth High School. We lived in the same floor. And, uh, he said, I'm working for a secretary. I'm a secretary to a guy by the name of Tennessee Williams. And he just wrote a play and it's very popular, The Glass Menagerie. And he said, 
Why don't you bring the fish over the house tonight? I want you to meet him. So I met Tennessee Williams as Frankie Merle's lover. I never met him as a playwright. I never met James Hurley. He, any of these people, all these gay, they were all skinny dipping in the pool. And he was like, he was like a teacher to him, a pupil. They were his pupils. All of them, Jamie Kirkwood, oh, Hurley, Evan Rhodes. So I'm talking about the breaks. And they started hanging around in my bar, and they were just, they were just beautiful. I had celebrities in that bar that if you put them all in New York in one bar, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't match the people I had. I mean, the greatest, and they came from all over the world. And, and that's what it was. And then you can imagine everybody saying, hey, this is the way Hemingway hung out. And all, and, I read Hemingway's. I read every one of his books twice. To me, he's the greatest writer that I will know in my generation. And the greatest playwright, Tennessee Williams. And then you show Shel Silverstein in. I mean, you can all, you, how lucky can you be? I stepped in the biggest pile of shit in the world and came out smelling like a rose. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you about being mayor of Key West. That was one of the greatest honors of my life. Could you imagine? Imagine my father came here from Italy in the 1900s, could never read and write. He had four sons. That was like a king. Girls didn't count them. They didn't put their heads in buckets here like they did in China, but close. But the, the four boys, imagine, never learned to read and write. I, uh, through the years, a very tight family, very uptight family. And, uh, oh, it's, I could write ten books on that, but, but anyway, he was so proud of his kids. My brother was gay, Louis was a barber, Joey was doing plays, and I was a captain in Key West. A captain, a real captain. My son is a capitano in Key West, and when I went made mayor, I was, the only regret I had, he wasn't there. <laughs> that, that was it. That was it. Be a mayor of Key West? You gotta remember, I ran four times. Four times I ran for mayor barefoot, but I believed him. They were the great years. It'll never happen again. Too late. You guys are lucky you got in on the fringe of it. The seventies and the eighties is the fringe. They were the greatest years this country ever knew. People are standing up. You're willing to fight what you believed in. You honestly practice the Constitution. You think when they call, when they call me up, they want, what do you call them, a poll, when they get an idea of how people are thinking? Is that what they call a poll? When they call, I wouldn't answer that. Right away, they'll put it on the books, this guy is this, this guy is that. We, we lost. Well, I don't like, let's forget that shit. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Anyway, now where was he? I wanted to know, when you walked down the streets of Key West, and you remember how it was back then, and you see how it is now. What do you think? Well, 
See, you can't stop progress. First of all, when you're 88 and you pretty, I went to the eighth grade. So I'm a genius, believe me. I had no time. There was no time for to, for the educators to to set me up. If you want to read the propaganda, you went to college because you want to show people you're not stupid. That's what happened. I could be wrong with what I'm saying, but what what happens here is that you call it progress. Wait, I was in Key West. I fought the oil wells. They found oil out here. They kept it. And I fought real hard. I fought real hard for the environment. I wasn't a radical. I was just, I didn't want to, I wanted to try to save the waterfront. There's nothing left on the Gulf. I mean, I could see all these things. And I'll give you an idea how I got in trouble, okay? I wrote an article. I said, in, in the Florida Keys, there's roughly 80,000 people. And they pass every day one pound of garbage. Crap, that was it. One pound of garbage. Now you got 80,000 pounds of garbage every day. And they told me in school you can't get rid of matter. So they're going to big, big sewer wells up. You know, clean the sewer and, so we had a sewage outfall here, you know, what is all the crap went on. And I had a, I used to advertise no fish, no pay. If you didn't catch a fish, you didn't pay. Now when the, the wind is always goes northeast, southwest. This is very true. If the wind backs up, fish don't talk, they don't bite. I don't know why they don't bite. So I used to go where the sewer pipe was, anchor above winds or get away from the smell, and everybody caught fish. The lobsters, the birds hung out there, right? When, since they chemically uh, re- take care of it, there's nothing there, nothing. Just a white, like a, a sand, a clay, nothing. Nothing's alive there. It's all gone. So I was fighting. They got to stop building. You got to stop building. You got to put it, and they did, they passed a lot of laws, but you can't beat big money, the femur and all that's a lot of bull. And they beat them all, I mean, and that's what's happening. So, and that's what got me in real big trouble, big, big trouble with the, the government, all these different NASs and all that jazz. But I told the truth. I said to go down to Mallory Square at night, you could catch your supper. You went to the beaches, you see all the guys casting for bait on a reef, food all over. It's all gone, all gone. Everything's gone. Come on, this camp. I, it's hard, it's hard to believe what I'm telling you. It's probably happening in your place too, your state. But this, this is what got me in big trouble when I start fighting things like that. So, and I kept running for mayor. And finally it happened. I was, I, 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 I had a tough job running for mayor. You gotta remember, the word got out I was bringing a mafia in from New Jersey if I won. I mean, they still, people believed that. They believed it. So, anyway, it came the big year, and there were a lot of, it was the right years. They all got together, and even Jimmy Buffett was one of my honorary campaign managers. And we had a hell of an election. It was fun. I mean, it was really great. 
And we won, believe it or not, by 31 votes, 28 hookers. <laughs> uh, how did I feel? I, when I swore in, I had to cry because they were like 26,000 of my kids. That's what they were. I knew them all. I loved them all. I never changed when I was mayor. I stood right there. I did a lot of good I was never given credit for. I'll give you an example. About 25 years ago, the Navy wanted the Black Beach. It's down, down there. The, the blacks had a great beach. The Navy wanted it. So the Navy said, they will do. We'll build you a swimming pool and you give us the beach, which they did. It was fine. After three years, they never put water in a pool again for 17 years. For 17 years, I became mayor, and I found money, and I broke my ass, and we got a beautiful community pool today. That, I feel, was great. I've heard so many legendary stories about the saloon. I've heard that if you throw a coin into the fish's mouth, you're guaranteed to come back to Key West. I've heard that there's ghosts in the saloon. So tell me, is it magical? There, they just did this on the travel, by the way. Uh, I don't know if I should tell the story about the tree. I don't know. Yeah. The building is so old. I honestly, I lived upstairs, I know. I, was, I never stayed in that building alone. I never, I don't ever remember that I was comfortable. It, it, it's so old, you know, it's so many years. There's a big tree there, and I was going to cut it down. Because there were little caterpillars and then little cherries, you know. And it was the patio. And I, I, some friends of mine were coming down from New, uh, Miami, they're going to cut it down. It's a true story. And, uh, Old man, Mr. Robinson, but he must have been about my age, ain't he? He said, it was in the paper that I'm going to cut the tree down because there was, you know, it was all the bugs and the branches on the roof and all that. And, you know, so, and I'll never forget him. Just the way he said, he said, I hear you're going to cut the tree down. I said, yeah, Mr. Roberts, you know, I said, you know, it's all the berries and everything. You can't cut the tree down. I says, why? He says, that was the hanging tree. And I, I said, what do you mean? He says, you know, a lot of years ago, we used to come here and we sit on a corner with soda pop and sandwiches, real, real natural talk. And, and they hung this woman, she had like a blue dress on and, and the neck didn't break her neck and she, long time. And, and, and I said, shit, I can't cut this tree down. I couldn't do it. And that's, and then some great, great things happened through the years. Whether that story has something to do with it, uh, I don't know. A, a woman I lived with for three years up there, after all the years came back to see me, and we talked about it. The lady in blue, she was, we were living together, she, we used to cash out, we both saw her, and a fellow named her, 
by the name of, I can't remember his name right now, a great photographer in Key West. He disappeared, by the way. He's got a picture of me and Stacy sitting in a tree and into the person in the middle of us, like you can see through it. Then you know it's a person. So I got the priest to come in and bless the place. And my daughter, Coral, she's right there. Uh, her best friend ran into this woman in the back room to get a can of orange juice. So it's not a bullshit story. And then we have a, I was digging in the pool room. I was digging a hole to go down lower. And we ran to an old well and there was a body in it. And a, there's a, a tombstone on top of it. I covered it, why call the police, all that. It was just a matter of bones and a bad smell. But where the tree is now, there's a tombstone. About 20 years ago, a father and son drove by, and they dumped it in the street. It's right there by the tree. About a month later, I saw the son, I says, come here, Jack. John, what am I going to do with your mother's tombstone? He said, my father's crazy. What do you mean he's crazy? What do you want me to do with four guys to carry it in? It was a patio then. His father, his mother had died. His father, they were married 20 years. His father used to work in the Navy yard. She goes through her stuff. It was a watchman. Finds a stack of letters. Finds a stack of letters. She was meeting her lover in Captain Tony's every night. She says, that's where she belongs and that's where she is. Captain Tony, when you think back with all the memories you have, what are some things that you love thinking about and always seem to be prevalent in your thought? Well, I can put it this way. There's a couple of things that were very big in my life. Every one of my children, 13 times, that's big time. Being mayor of Key West, that's big time. But I think the one that I've Sort of favorites, my favorites. The last man in Paris, Jimmy Buffett. That, that, that was big time to me. You know, I, uh, I was calling the kid. I can remember he stopped by the bar one day. It was a hot day in July. And, and said, come on, Jimmy, have a seat. Remember the words. Come on, Jimmy, have a seat. He sat down next to me. I said, what are you doing, Tony? Man, you're up in the years. I said, Jimmy, there's so much to be done. It's a song. And I thought, no, we talked about a lot of things. There's a lot to that song that only Jimmy and I will understand. It's sort of very, very personal, thank God. And it wasn't anything. It was just... Well, anyway... So I said, Jimmy, I gotta go home. My wife's got supper ready. I went ahead. The old man disappeared. He came by a month later. He throws his tape at me. Tony, I hope you like it. I was leaving for Charlie Rose. I was doing Charlie Rose in New York at the time. I said, Jimmy, I thanks. I, I threw it in the shelf because I had enough time to make the plane. So when I get to, uh, Washington, they you delimited, you know, CBS, the limo, I'm sitting back, and I heard, I went down the Captain Tony. I said, is that Jimmy Buffett? And the guy driving, he shuts it off. He says, oh, you Captain Tony? That's all I heard. Four days later, when I get back in Key West, I heard the tape.
And, well, I don't know what to say. Uh, he did something. You talk about great people. I'll tell you, here's a guy who plays the guitar. To me, did things that I did with fab. He saved a generation. He saved a generation in the 70s, the 80s. He saved it. It was still doing it. It's like a cult. It's like a, the constitution. We all in things counted in them days. And, you know, when I'm at his concerts, I stand up and turn around and look at the people. He gave so much. And he did it the right way. Just a regular guy, Captain Border, if the phone rings, it is to me. Ooh, he just, he, he did something very beautiful. It's more than just being big time. He said, he, he left the forgotten people and kept them alive. Cause we are the forgotten people, whether you like it or not. Because we did things they wouldn't dare let you do today. And that was fight for the truth. So that's about it. As you know, this show goes out all over the world. So before we go, what do you want to say to the world? Well, I always say let every heart be count. But I think the most important thing is... Be good to your fellow man. It's so easy to be good. Believe me. You know, every, everybody has a God. My God is on my side. The Muslims have a God. They, everybody has it. But you know, God, I think, looks at everybody. And look at him as a God for everybody. I don't know. And be good to your fellow man. But most of all, be good to your women. Because they're the ones that brings the children into the world. Remember that. You know? It's a, a, I always remember that song, so when she's weary, everything looks dreary. Just try a little tenderness. And try that with everybody. Everybody. Thank you. Bum up, but a beep, bop, boop, dot, boop, da beep, but a leap, a knock, da bees, I walk on, teach a girl, I get it, no, it's a girl, oh, is it, and I got a kiss, I call, oh, oh, I say, oh, we're gonna, oh, oh, I'm swagging, I believe it's all good, we're gonna, 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 we're gon